I'm sorry to tell you, once again, we are all here together for the purpose of I Don't Get It. Me, you, my good friend here, we all just have one thing in mind, and it's the pop culture get off my lawn cast. I Don't Get It features the open-minded viewings of two musings. Musings, I say viewings or museums. 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 Open-minded open museums. Open-minded museums of two. Which there will be none left by <laughs> this time next year. We, our two voices, these are two mid-40s curmudgeons you're listening to, and we are both simultaneously staring on the prospect of entertainment relevance. I am your co-host, and my name is Bill Scurry. I'm the founder and proprietor of American Caesar Enterprises, which is currently a bankrupt notary public. And I am joined, as always, by my good pal. I am Noah Tarno, uh, founder and senior quiz master of The Big Quiz Thing, which is a real, actual business uh, America's premier provider of corporate and private trivia game show events. Do you need anything notarized, Noah? I have that little stamp, you know. I don't. You know, it's funny. I've been uh, sheltering in place with my sister and her kids in Berkeley, California. And down the street from us is a stationery store that was that stayed open during the, you know, only vital businesses can stay open period because it had a notary in the back. And I went in one day to buy, you know, some piece of crap, something I needed, but, you know, whatever. And briefly talking to the guy, you know, we're wearing masks and all that. And he said, like, oh, yeah, thank God I got this notary. I can stay open, you know. Um, so you scoff at the, the, the notary arts, but they are uh, <laughs> the they are considered arts. vital. They are considered vital. And they kept this uh, this friendly stationery store alive. So, I'm, so, I'm, so mock them at your peril. Look, I'm going to confess to you. And I don't, I don't mind showing my vulnerability on the air here, Noah. I'm still not entirely sure what the purpose of a notary is i'm not really sure why this exists in it's society it's to notarize things to why notarize. okay but that's like saying you know oh it's a schmengeldorfer they schmengeldorf what I, is- I think the idea is it is to prove that something is uncopyable uh-huh it has some official imprimatur yeah perhaps i have to tell you a funny story about uh well seven years ago now you know the story about how i flew to switzerland and i flew back two days later to transport my nephews oh, to my yeah. cousin's bat mitzvah yes. right because my niece had been born right so i had to be given authorization to travel internationally with two uh minors nine-year-old yeah. boys right so my sister and my then brother-in-law wrote a letter saying we give no eternal blah 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 and the the um the customs guy was a total dick to me. And I showed him the letter and I showed him my passport. And I showed him the boy's passport. And he's like, well, you have a different last name than them. And I'm like, well, yeah, they're my sister's kids, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, this letter is useless to me. It's not notarized. I could have been a smart ass and go, well, here we are at customs. They live in Switzerland. We're now in Boston at the airport. Like, what the fuck do you want me to do? Like, we can call Switzerland and ask them. And he just kind of rolled it. I didn't say that. He just kind of said, okay, well, fine. And he's like, well, how are they getting back? I'm like, my parents are taking them. Yeah. And he's like, your parents like well they're grandparents like yeah. all this not he was just being a dick whatever. that's exactly he's, he's what a powerful man. but it's flimsy look i've gotten a, like, a number what, of things what difference does it make it's no just... right what difference does it make? i've gotten a few things notarized in the past i had to do to, in order to move to amsterdam i had to get notaries out the ass on everything i had to get copies of the yep. birth certificate marriage license yep. all this stuff congratulations i went to a stationery store in manhattan and a guy yes. took out a little crimper 
and, and he stamped it. Yeah, stamped oh. it and he signed it. I'm like, and who were you? He's the guy that literally worked yeah. at mailboxes, etc. Yeah, he... I had that when I sold my apartment two years ago. I right. had someone at FedEx had to stamp. But, but who yeah. is that guy? Is he some sort of yeah. plenty? Is he a magistrate? Is he? Does well, he you have in? to you have to get a license, right? You have to pass a test or What's something. What's the test? Right? You have like, to pass oh, a test congrat- or get a license. I don't know. You don't sprain yeah, your do wrist you do? doing the little crimper. I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, it's like it's like being a, it's like dry cleaning. Like, what are you actually doing? It's all a mystery. I one time we're going to far afield. What do you shake the dirt off the <laughs> <laughs> there must be some liquid involved sorry i'm stealing that from jerry seinfeld i Go went ahead. i went to a uh, acupuncture one time because i was having chronic pain and and uh, and i was thinking no. uh, I, I think you've done it too right I, we talked about this before i've done acupuncture yeah, yeah. Sure. i did it i did it i think two or three sessions and um i noticed i went in there on the wall and, and it they had licenses that said you know licensed acupuncturist and i was just about to say to the guy oh this is like licensed magician huh i think it's more than that i don't think it's a it's a complete so bunk. wait, it's so why were you doing acupuncture if you if you're inclined to think it's complete bullshit from moment one? Because that's how desperate. So if I you was. think sticking needles into someone is bullshit that anyone could do, why did you go? Because I I was desperate. That's why I think it was a hail mary. Did it, so I take it it did not work for you. No, it was, it felt painful. It actually drew it drew blood and it felt very painful. Exactly really? as you would drew expect. Drew blood. See, they they were doing a bad job if they drew blood. Having my uh, there was many points of blood, dribbles of blood coming out of draw. me. They're so. not supposed to draw. You went to a bad acupuncturist. I tell you, acupuncture did nothing for my pain, uh-huh. but I loved it. I found it relaxing as fuck. I loved it. That's because you like that guy from the Hellraiser movies. You look like um, Pinhead, the, the, the Cenobite creature. Speaking you know? of which, I was just reading about Hellraiser yesterday because I told you I'm working on this quiz for a LGBTQ film festival. Mm-hmm. And I was looking up uh, LGBTQ directors. I did not realize that Clive Barker is gay. So many horror icons are gay. Clive Barker, I don't know, icons. Don Mancini. Yeah, Don Mancini. Um, Kevin Williamson, uh, who did the screen. Kevin movies. Williamson. Yeah. Joel Schumacher did a couple. Well, Joel Schumacher claimed he slept with 20,000 men in his life. Yeah. That counts. That's he, not just bi. I think that counts as full on gay. Oh, and he Wes, was an ugly mother. And Wes Craven was not gay. Oh, I thought he was. I was about to say. Right, I, I looked was, that up. By the way, you know, uh, you know, a lot of people think was gay but wasn't was Liber, Liberace. <laughs> I can't believe he was gay. <laughs> Uh, a, lot, a lot of people a lot of people don't know that no speaking of driving needles into your skin for the purpose of body yeah. mortification and a uh, yes. uh, sending up uh, generations and years of leather s and m play what is our topic this week? Our topic is uh, a uh, a show a cartoon it is available here in these United States on Disney plus but it comes from a country I recently developed quite a fondness for having visited right before the earth ended uh, Australia specifically the Queensland the northeast state centered in Brisbane and this show is called Bluey, Bluey. and I believe it was recommended to us by friend and former guest of the show uh, Amanda Swavy mother yeah. of two preschool twins preschooler twins two mm. twins how about that what are the odds of that <laughs> Uh, and yeah, aimed it's, at preschoolers. It's the two twin types, guys, not the three yeah, twins. What are they, I, the I mean, I guess there could be one twin, or you could... There was an ice cream company out here called Three Twins, which I think was like a set of twins and uh, a friend who also happened to be a twin. You're, so blown, I guess it's you're blowing my mind now. It's, I did say I would do the uh, intro, Noah, so I will, yes, I will read Definitely. you what I have here. And I'll read yes. America. Rob Marshall is gay. 
Alan Ball, not horror directors. Speak, again, speaking of horror, Bluey is an Australian mm-hmm. children's cartoon, as Noah said, coming from Brisbane, Bris, Bryce Bain, as I like to call it, recently come like to, to the U.S. soil. Yeah. It was originally, apparently, Dis- Disney Junior, I think, is where it got its hooks in, because not everybody has Disney Plus, but you can right. see it on Disney Plus now, and, you know, let's say a lot of people got on board with Disney Plus. This TV show, this animated television program, I believe it follows the short form, as a lot of these things do. It follows the adventures of a dog, the specific big breed noah was called the blue healer which uh i yes. heretofore never heard of well it's an australian breed i believe it's also known it also has some name australian cattle dog i believe yeah, like a so australian dog. cattle dog yeah right so it is it is a specific australian breed of dog anthropomorphic creatures i None of that shit ever really matters. I don't think it's ever no, topical. No, not really. We've had talking really. bunnies since for since for yeah. whenever. So who, it's, it doesn't. It's matter. really kind of amazing how them being dogs is almost completely incidental to the plot. Yeah, kind of. I guess you're right. I, I, I think yeah. about that. Um, yes, yeah, so, almost completely. Yeah. So Bluey is the lead. It's a child, a child archetype, and she's six years old. Well, that's the thing. I kept thinking Bluey was a he, and I was like. I mean, because it's a child's voice and it sounds squeaky, and I didn't think. Of, but in reading the material, I'm like, oh, Bluey and and Bluey's sister Bingo are they're, well, they're girls. Yes. Um, so I didn't realize it was a, it was a her. It was an you know the gendered her persona. Bluey is a a female puppy a dog, I guess a puppy dog, as it were, animated in yes. a very loose or no, actually a tight style, but you know very yeah. fun, large shapes, very recognizable, boxy type. Uh, and it's the adventures of Bluey and, and her family. It, it it first appeared in Oz in October 2018, so it's paint is still pretty fresh on this. This is a relatively new phenomenon in Australia. Uh, it has achieved the record of the most watched show in the history of that country's video on demand apparatus. When I was reading this, Noah, there's a network called ABC that I had to shake my head a little bit and say, wait a second, this is the Australian yeah. Broadcasting Corporation, not not the American Broadcasting Corporation. Right. So the, the show is the creation of some guy named Joe Brom, who had an idea that he wanted to import the kind of DNA of, of the Peppa Pig thing for an mm-hmm. Aussie audience. Now, a Peppa Pig is sold everywhere. Peppa Pig is all over the place. And, and I'll be honest, I don't know much about Peppa Pig, other than the fact that my friend's children are really into it. That's a British, pro- that's a British product. So the whole Anglophone world has found Peppa Pig in its native form. And this guy wanted to create an, an Aussie sort of version of it. Even though this is a different looking show, I think it behaves similarly to some degree based on the six seconds of Peppa Pig I looked at. The guy Joe Brum came up with this hook that he wanted to come up with a show that emphasizes the importance of what they call imaginative play, whatever the fuck that is. I don't know. Parents, making maybe you've heard this. Maybe you actually do this. Maybe your kids... I was just put in front of a TV with something sugary. There was no such thing as imaginative play, <laughs> which is why all I know is Cobra Command. There was. You would play with your G.I. Joe figures. No, I would, rec- I would recreate what happened on the cartoons. I wouldn't invent new new adventures. Really? Oh, yeah. dude, I, I wrote... Whole new adventures for the Justice League with my superpowers figure. Oh, that's awesome! But I, di- I yeah. didn't feel like you know the narrative was set in stone. You know those those tablets came down from uh, the mountain you and have, the burning you bush. Have no so. imagination. Uh, and the suggested viewing, no imagination exactly, and no soul yeah. too, as we went over last week in yes, my teenage no years. Uh, the, the suggested viewing age is under five, I believe. Um, not that kids older than that can't get into this, but I think that is the suggested serving size for this sort of thing. Again, you'd heard of Peppa Pig maybe six seconds beforehand, uh, before Amanda had uh, suggested this. I heard of Bluey. We're not talking about Peppa Pig. Okay, that's what I mean. So yes. what, do you, what do you make of this phenomenon? What do you the wildfire uh, Hellraiser phenomenon? Of, of <laughs> wildfire from Australia. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> Let's do that. By the way, I, I learned an interesting fact the other day. The Prime Minister of Australia 
Australia. I knew this when I went there. His name is Scott Morrison, and yeah. he's he's pretty conservative for Australia. And most of the people I met there didn't care for him. But his nickname is Scomo. Yeah, Scomo. Yeah. I mean, he embraces that. People are so pissed at him because he went to Hawaii on vacation at the height of the wildfire. Yes. So a new slang term down there is like we've been scomoed, <laughs> which means our leader has abandoned us. And I want that to catch on here because we're being scomoed here. Just you know how leaders don't give a jack shit at your moment of greatest crisis so i like that we're being sco mode America. yeah that's yeah, true i think this is delightful i think this is so charming really well done you know it's funny you said the adventures of bluey and her sister and her parents but part of what i love about it is it's really a stretch to say these are adventures it is so almost more than any cartoon i've ever seen this is just real i mean it's ridiculous that they're dogs because nothing almost nothing fantastical happens it's literally imaginative play it's like a whole episode seven minutes and they get in and out really fast of them playing doctor with their dad or grocery of shopping them, or, some, or going swimming or, in a or, pool or something. There's an episode called Keepy Uppy where they just have to keep a balloon from hitting the floor. And it's so simple but without being stupid. Like the intro video, you see the four family dancing. Mom, Dad, Bingo, Bluey. This episode is called Keepy Uppy. The voices are by actual children of the production people. The episodes are so simple. And by the way, I, the Peppa Pig comparison is interesting because I watched a fair amount of Peppa Pig a few years ago and my niece was of that age. Peppa Pig sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a similar animation aesthetic and it's very simple but the animation is kind of dashed off yeah, the characters have no life and no great. personality yeah. this is like peppa pig a thousand times better if james you james, peppa james pig, cameron's peppa pig noah fuck james cameron this is fucking orson welles peppa pig. <laughs> if you're gonna do peppa pig right you do this yes it's incidental that they're dogs but that's just it's charming it's nice the animation is yeah blocky and it's not stiff it's smooth the characters are so charming the dad is just he's a fun dad but he's still it's funny you know when people started talking a few months ago about toxic masculinity and and the people clap back like oh you're saying all masculinity is toxic no we're saying some varieties of masculinity some that are too prevalent or toxic what is positive masculinity and people were giving examples of like you know mr rogers and captain america you know and i look at this dad and he's like yeah he's still masculine like there are these moments he's like hey kids let's play a game called sitting on the couch with dad and watching cricket you know he's very australian he wants to get away and play aussie he plays aussie rule football with his mates yeah. right footy and by the way, when they brought it to the U.S., they wanted to redub it with American-accented voices. And Joe Brum said, no way. And yeah. thank God, because the Australian accents are just delightful. It has that kind of slight exoticism. And the kids have that wonderful Australian accent. Even the fantasy elements. There's one where uh, Bluey sees a fruit bat, and then she has a dream about being a fruit bat. So it's it adds this fantasy element, but it's mild fantasy. It imparts lessons, but it's not heavy-handed at all. Yeah, you learn about sharing and following the rules and being patient, but it's just slipped in under the radar in the most natural way. The animation has a great sense of detail. Like, they're at a barbecue, and the kids are talking, and you hear the adults talking in the background. Like, that is an extra little step that's just, you know, you see that the, the parents have their own internal Eternal life on top of all this the parents are real human beings they got lives I mean, yeah. again Pe yeah peppa pig they're they're a quarter inch deep these characters these are real characters so mm. this is fucking delightful I, I didn't realize it would be coming here and sticking knives into peppa pig but i'm i'm, I'm all for that yeah, I, fuck I'm, peppa pig 
I'm here for that. Fuck Peppa Pig. Well, no, I was just like, oh, thank God I don't have to deal with Peppa Pig anymore. But, like, this show's like, you can be that simplistic and not be fucking dumb. Mm -hmm. You can be simplistic and be great. And this is why Amanda and other parents like it. Lizzie Whittacombe wrote a thing in The New Yorker that just got published today that she loves it. She's watching it with her her kid in quarantine. Well, here's the irony is that Peppa Pig is a world beater. Peppa Pig is an enormous franchise of incredible lucrative... lucrative, Give Bluey two more years. I mean, they're selling. I mean, they're selling Bluey toys at Walmart now. I mean, give Bluey a couple more years. And, could, you're, you and know, God willing, yeah, Bluey could be will that be way. bigger. I, mean, I don't think yeah. whether they're trying to fight them in a commercial space or just a sort of intellectual space is. is I'm sure they won't mind if they become a huge franchise in uh, you know America and and Europe that sort of thing. If you have something that looks this charming that works on the basis of a cartoon that like Amanda's kids love. That is as pu- that's as that's as pure a thumb up as you're going to get. That's the crowd, and like they they are, I'm guessing, hungry and kind of omnivorous for all cartoon material. So they don't give a shit. This is interesting because I, you know, obviously they don't give a shit whether or not they have British accents, Aussie accents. I don't think that. I don't know what that means to a kid who's four or five years old or six or seven years old. It means probably less than it does to us. But yes, I think there's a little bit of an exoticism to it, as you could attest to since you were there six months ago. Maybe six months ago, eight months ago, since you're actually in Australia, it is not so variant from our Western conception, our Anglophone Western conception. And yeah, that's one of the things. It's that- very relatable. It's. If this were like genuinely Chinese children, it would it would be far more exotic. For you know, we have a friend, Paul Paul Murphy, who's a Sydney guy. Yeah, sure. He's originally from Melbourne, but Sydney. But he, you know, he was a New Yorker for the longest time. And you know, it's amazing that we were all. His son at, is named Orson. His right? name is his name. Yes, his kid's name is Orson. It takes uh, balls to name your kid Orson in the twenty teens, but good for him. But we we have all this. Like we were obviously moving at the same speed, and that's what's always amazing to meet someone from you know eight thousand miles away who pretty much speaks the same cultural short. One of the here. things I just thought was interesting about Australia is their pop culture was like 80% American. Yeah, of like, course. Of I course. saw far more American movies, American shows, American icons than Australian ones I was unfamiliar with. So, I mean, there's a there's a fractal amount of Australians on that landmass. You know, they're crowded around the, the periphery on those big cities that are on the outside, not necessarily the interior. So they may have a bunch ma- of million mainly people. on the eastern coast too. Anyway, so yeah, I, I will agree. This, this was very charming. Um, I, I'm... Generally unfamiliar with the state of younger kids' animation. There are some cartoons that I watch that I really, really love. Uh, you know, we went over Rick, Rick and Morty. I'm a big fan of Rick and Morty, but everybody yeah, knows but what that is. No, it's different. Not, I mean, it has nothing in common with... No, other than the fact that it's an animated show, which is right. why I kind of siloed in a and, box. I love the work and, of... And by the way, as this pandemic rages on, that's all we're going to get for new movies and TV shows yeah. is animation. No, you're right. And, you know, all this stuff is flash-made. None of, none of this is, is, is handmade, hand-rendered, right. hand, you know, cell-drawn. Right. This is all, you know, flash or whatever you even got to send it to korea yeah it's all cg animation so it, it can be mass produced pretty quickly whoever joe brum was obviously it wasn't hard for him to get his thing off the ground because you know he Still created alive. this out of thin air and he read the tea leaves understood how to build bluey and put a lot of good dna into it and came up right. with a winner that's well, great he was inspired i mean from what i read about him he was inspired by the actual play with his children like mm-hmm. bandit bluey and bingo's dad is is a you know a Analog of of the dad. Analog, thank you. What's the word I'm looking for? A a there's some French term for character that embodies the author. Um, Oh, anyway, alter like an alter ego type. Alter ego. No, there's some French term. I'm not thinking of. Anyway, and he, yeah, he really studied it. Like he talked to psychologists and all that, and child psychologists. The dad is just playing with the kids, and there's an episode called Daddy Robot where he just plays a robot. You know, that's what I'm talking about. The the good masculinity. Mm -hmm. He's so fun while still being. 
you know, taking care of his kids and being a human being. Yeah, one uh, I it's saw delightful. a couple episodes I watched had a lot of role reversal. I know that's not the entire yeah. um, premise of this, but there were two episodes where it looked like the dad was seeding over authority in a role-playing scenario so that the kids got to be adults and they got to boss the dad around. And the kids weren't necessarily cruel, but they were given a fair amount of... Um, sway where like so they understand what it would be like to be a parent but it never becomes right. cruel it never becomes weird it's always playful no. speaking of that i thought was very telling is when they were playing doctor with him and he kept calling them doctor and nurse and they were doing crazy stuff like there's a cat coming out of your belly button like all the stupid shit kids say mm -hmm. but a moment where one of the kids crossed a line i wrote this here bluey hits dad he calls her bluey he he, he drops the premise for a second doesn't call her doctor and says, Bluey, stop that. Drops the facade for a moment. All right, and becomes a dad. Um, or does yeah, dad Yeah, becomes things. a dad. Without being mean or harsh or, yeah. you know, yeah. ruining the game. Hey, Squirts. Uncle Strut said we could use his pool while he's in Bali. Yeah! <laughs> Let's get out of here. <laughs> Make sure you take all the swimming stuff. Yeah, yeah, we got it covered. Don't just get the fun stuff. I mean the bag of stuff. Boring. Yeah, boring. <laughs> why has bluey caught on why is it popular and why now in the pandemic well that's a good question you know to some degree i i wonder how well i can answer this i mean i could say that it's it's a vivid show the look is clear the tone is playful, playful it's well designed for the age group the voice acting is very charming it has a very friendly suburban environment it looks like there's constantly something going on that sort of simpsons idea of fun where there's no dead frames you you always want something to happen it's very like all the looney tunes these things are compact it gets to the point. So it would seem like as cartoons go for children, especially this age group, it checks up all the boxes. But I know you're asking me a bigger question. It's like, well, why is this, you know, this got to America and why did this catch on? And I think you're driving to some point, Noah, because there was in that um, Lizzie Whittacombe piece in The New Yorker, there was an address about how this is somehow related to the pandemic. So I'm very interested in what you might have to say about it. What the author says is that the show is so much about the day-to-day -day quotidian, you know, games that kids play. You don't need, I mean, that's what she says in the article. She says, this has made bluey and the, and the pandemic have made me realize, like, you don't need play dates and organized activities. Like, Kids are going to play. Kids are going to embrace fantasy. Other than you, kids are going to embrace fantasy one way or another. And if you're forced to be home and you're forced to not go places and your your realm of activities is limited, they're going to find ways to entertain themselves. Bluey is kind of about that, how kids entertain themselves in day-to-day, -day, not necessarily boring life, but unremarkable life. Again, every time they talk about it, you mentioned adventures. And when I was reading descriptions of the Bluey toys, they're like, you can recreate the adventures. Like, no kid's going to recreate the adventures. They're going to make their own. And they're not even adventures. They're not. The whole point is that they're not adventures. So I think the author, the New Yorker, uh, author's um, intent was that it's a show about being home and just being a kid. Yeah. There's a great moment, and this also gets at how I love the detail of the, of the animation. There's a great moment. It's an episode where they go to the market, and Bluey got $5 from a tooth fairy. And it's the beginning of the episode. She finds the $5. She runs down. She tells her parents. And while the mom is saying, oh, that's great, she just does this moment where she, like, does the floss. Sure. And I'm like, wow. Well, that's what a kid does. They're happy, so they just do a little dance, right? Peppa Pig wouldn't do that. Most cartoons wouldn't do that. The kid would stand there smiling. But just, like... 
Kids just do that. They'll run into a room, they'll jump up and down, and they'll leave. You know, the random shit kids do. And the kids say this. They're playing with dad and out of the blue. They say, is everything made of atoms? Or babe, if grownups used to be babies, where did the first baby come from? It's quotidian, not necessarily boring, but unremarkable day-to-day life. And that is something we've been forced to stare at in the face during the pandemic. Yeah, you can say that again. So, Absolutely true. Right. So I, I think it maybe it's a little, I'm reminded of talking about Quibi. Is Quibi the example where like, it's a total coincidence that this happens now? Is Quibi the example I'm thinking? I mean, Quibi got fucked because this was the wrong time for them. Or yeah. There were other reasons they got fucked. Mm-hmm. I don't think they planned, hey, let's let's make Bluey now and in two years when there's a pandemic, it'll get hot because it'll be perfect. Obviously, I don't think Joe Brum is the global force behind the pandemic. It's almost scarily attuned to the time because it's about, it, it focuses on the things that we are looking at more closely now. We are forced to look at more closely now. Can I have my Rashi? Did you bring it? No. Then no. Dad, did we bring sunscreen? Oh, no, I didn't. It's okay. We don't need sunscreen. Yes, we do. We'll just have to stay in the shady bit and we'll put our hats on. What hats? No, I think back to when you were a kid. The, the child that you were actually surprisingly in touch with uh, on a weekly basis, I'm, I'm, we can get there. I appreciate that. Tell me, would that child have liked Bluey? I don't know, man. I mean, I guess when I was four, I remember so little about what I liked at that age. The cartoons I liked at that age... I liked Mr. Rogers. Uh, I think I liked the weirdness of Mr. Rogers of the neighborhood of make-believe. There's not a lot of weirdness in this. Yeah, I don't know. I think the cartoons I liked, maybe it was older than that, but like Scooby-Doo, but Scooby-Doo is way more frantic than this. I don't know. Was there anything like this when we were kids? Well, when we were five or like eight, because I could tell you the cartoons I was watching when I was eight. But I mean, was there anything like this quiet, slow, careful? I mean, I kind of feel like cartoons like that didn't exist when we were children. No. They must have. I'm thinking. I mean, I guess Sesame Street had this quiet, but Sesame Street, as great as Sesame Street is, a it wasn't animated, and b it was a lot more heavy-handed with its lessons. What about uh, Magic Garden, Noah? Things that were live action in the tri-state yeah. area that we grew up with. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Magic Garden. I liked Magic Garden. Yeah. I don't think I was passionate about it, but I liked it. I could be wrong, but my memories of Magic Garden was that that too was more heavy-handed than this. I, I I really wow. I'm stumped by this because I just I can't think of what would have been the equivalent. Right. Well, I don't know. I mean, does it matter that I never was into dogs? I'm sure part of the appeal there is kids love dogs. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Me neither. I wasn't a dog guy either. But but again, they they they, they might as well not be dogs. Yeah, it's just There's a shame. barely any indication that they're dogs. I mean, you, ha- you have to make something anthropomorphic. But I mean, cats or monkeys. I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. There's a cartoon. I'm, I'm going to go off on a sidetrack here. There's a cartoon called Clarence, which is, is sort of the same mode. Uh, Clarence is a little older, but it has the same kind of line style. It's, it's goofy. The kid acts like a kid. It's gentle. And it's it, Clarence is about the business of a kid learning how to be a kid, how to do play, how to be respectful, without it being heavy-handed at all. It is the same mode, but I think Clarence punches a couple of years uh, higher. Maybe you graduate from Bluey to Clarence, but it's still in that same. And Clarence is an American cartoon. Uh, I think it either yeah, comes I've out of heard of Clarence. Let me Google that. I'm sure the image. Will yeah. Be longer, but keep going. Uh, no, I, I was going to say whether I would have liked it or not. I'm going to say something very weird, and it's almost aside the point. But this having the Aussie accent to it reminds me of when we were kids, and there was a lot of knockoff British and Aussie cheap poorly made cartoons that they imported into United States. Um, you know, like Nickelodeon showed a lot of this stuff. Sometimes public TV would show it. And I always got the distinct impression that 
England lacked for great cartoons and that they were, you know, shoddily made and people did not put a lot of effort into it because they just thought like, oh, kids watch whatever. You know, I mean, you could look at Doctor Who and things like that and say, well, it's an old saying, uh, Saturday morning cartoons are proof that adults hate children. Yeah. I, I remember once I heard an English accent or an Aussie accent in a cartoon, instantly turned off. Didn't want it. Thought it was, this is this is below par trash. Now, the question is, could I have said that when I was five? I know I was saying that when I was like eight or seven. I thought, I know the difference. I can, I know the accent. I knew what the, I knew what the difference between English and American was because I'd watched, you know, Benny, my parents watched Benny Hill around those ages. So oh, I, I knew the sensibility, the English sensibility. Talk, talk about something that uh, couldn't fly these days, Benny Hill. Yeah, oh, it God. couldn't even fly then, but they, you know, they still kept it in there. <laughs> Somehow it did. Somehow yeah. it did, exactly. So I, I'm almost inclined to say that one of the I did write you know you you mentioned the fact that they were going to think about redubbing it with American voices and that would have gotten me as that age on board because there's a good chance I would have heard the Aussie accent and just thought I don't know what cricket is I don't know what these things even though it's just cosmetic it is just cosmetic I would have taken that as a, an excuse to not watch thinking like if this is too exotic this is too alien this is something I can't plug Ang- this particular brand of Anglo culture is so strange and I I can't have anything to do with it can I have my floaties? I didn't bring them. What? Um, you'll have to stay on the shallow steps bit. Oh. But I won't be able to swim away from the crawly thing. Oh, hey, kiddo. Sorry, not into the sunny bit. You've got no sunscreen on. Oh. Bill, is the success of Bluey in any way a sign of the apocalypse? Or maybe the need for Bluey? In any way, a sign of the event. There's maybe never a harm in having more fun cartoons in the world. I mean, let's just even say if they're fun cartoons as the basis. Let's say they're you don't learn anything. Maybe it's empty calories. Um, so long as it's not destructive, I guess. So long as it's not rude. I mean, I draw a big distinction between this and how popular in 1997, I guess it was, when South Park came out. And all, all, well, listen, listen, all South Park had on its mind was being disobedient. It was the, it was that 1990s rude and disobedient crest of entertainment. I, I actually think South Park had a very potent message. It did. Which people still haven't picked up on, which is that children are fucking evil. And I still remember a quote from uh, Parker or Stone. And one of them said, I hate this idea that children are angels. He says, I remember being 10 years old and literally thinking, what is the absolute meanest thing I can do right now? While I don't agree that is always true 100% of the time, I think it's something important we need to remember that children have those thoughts. Yeah, Even yeah. me, I had those thoughts, I remember. It was a gigantic cartoon as a world beater. It, apply, you know, it applied to adults, but it was a Trojan horse because they were using the animated form, right. the crude animated form, to do some really transgressive things and you know they were they were just contrarians i mean for years all they wanted to do was just say no and stick a finger in your face and not care about anything they were total nihilists but it was a fun cartoon but it, there was nothing nutritive about it it was merely there to exercise rudeness and bad behavior and to shock people you know pr- provocation so the the antidote i think i feel like after you know your ren and stimpy's and ren's and stimpy i should say and ren's, south park ren's and, ren's and, stimpy. and parks parks south parks <laughs> and otherwise um yeah, yeah. The, the stretch that a 
kids' cartoons have become so advanced in the mold of Clarence, in the mold of Peppa Pig, in the mold of Bluey. You know, I think it's safe to say, just based on what we were trying to say, you know, one segment ago, like, we didn't have too many things like this. There was content built for us. Sesame Street was plainly there. Muppet Show in different demographic, but it was still enjoy. It was made, I guess, for us. I watched the Muppet Show. So, no, I, I don't think this is apocalyptic, especially that this guy, Brum, seems to have done his homework in regard to the execution and, and kind of message of the show. And, he, you know, it becomes like dust. It becomes like sand. It's not a gigantic thing you see. It is just a scent in the air that suffuses the project. And part of the reason why it's successful is because it, it adheres to a message very successfully. I'm going to say that this is the opposite of the apocalypse, and it might even be near the top of the list of anti-apocalyptic things that we've looked at. Yeah. I mean, Impossible Burgers. Mm -hmm. Metal Straws. Well, yeah, metal straws are just such a small drop in the bucket. Uh, Sarah Cooper, because mm -hmm. she's exposing the greatest threat to humanity yeah. more than possibly anyone else has. Uh, but this is up there because this is putting aside pandemic and all that stuff. You know, one of the threats that's been on the margins forever is just our minds are mush and they're melted by stimuli, electronics, all that. The fact that Bluey is so takes its time and unspectacular in so many ways and careful like this is what we have to do like this is gonna sound weird but like like i've been trying to meditate more just because i gotta slow my fucking mind down and I've, I've dipped in and out of meditation over the last 20 years of my life and just there are moments like i can't i gotta fucking sit still and just stop and i feel like this is like if a kid can stop for seven minutes and just watch the show like you know, the ship has already sailed. They got to watch something, right? They mm. got to be entertained. Yeah. And this is like that kind of entertainment and that it's high quality and that it it shows normal life. It doesn't show them explosions and all this crazy stuff. I mean, that's something people have been worried about children's entertainment since Howdy Doody. This might be the cure. We get more kids watching Bluey. They might have more patience for things that aren't changing every two seconds. Yeah, they're also not asking to buy things. There's no demand of capitalism. Yes, they are. See, but that's a problem I do have with it. Yeah. Is that... It's a hit, and next thing you know, there's shit all over the place at Walmart and on Amazon, and well, you can buy bluey toys and bluey sheets and a bluey, well, a bluey fucking face mask. I'm saying the tech. Trust me, the they're not they're not going that route. No, but the text yes. of the show, the text, the, of the text show, of the show is not asking them to right. buy anything. Yes, it's not it's not the GI Joe com uh, toy right. cartoons right. that it I could, loved. As it a kid. could it could be worse. Yes. Can everyone stop saying dad? Mom! <laughs> I brought all the swim stuff you left behind. Yeah! Noah, does anything about this make you jealous? Well, there are moments I wish I was a dad, like Bandit, Bluey and Bingo's dad. I'm getting the closest to that that maybe I've ever been in my life now that I'm, you know, quarantining with children and growing closer with these children you know i'm still a million miles away from actually being a dad and still don't take nearly as much responsibility over them as their actual parents do so i go back and forth about whether i'm sad that i'm not a father but there's something really admirable in what the dad does and there's something about his persona you know i mean we don't look that closely at his and the mom's relationship but you know there's something very comforting i like in that and there are moments i wish i was you know a happy suburban dad with what seems like a fulfilling to lovely, fun, happy children and fulfilling marriage. Like, yeah, you know, sure. But that's it's a different thing. And and if that's Joe Brum's life, good on him. Maybe I wish I'd asked because of my life. I tell you this, I wish I lived in Australia right now. That's for sure. I wish I were Australian. For all the problems they're having, <laughs> these days I'd much rather be an Australian than an American. Thank God I went there. Man, if I hadn't gone in December, I would never go now. 
It'd be tough. I mean, you know, you, I mean, it's a big hump uh, you have to get over. Maybe in 10 years, you know. Mm. I mean, who knows where we'll be in 10 years. But, like, you know, I, I kept – I wanted to do that trip. I always said I wanted to go to Australia before I was 40, mm-hmm. and I made it when I was 44. So I finally did make it, and it took, like, a bit, of a, a bit of a leap, like, a year ago when I made the decision to finally go. Thank God I did that because this would have this would have delayed it another five years if I'm lucky. I don't know if that's jealousy, but definitely. Uh, look, I would love to go to Australia, but that's not that's not the point of this for me. Um, it's illustrative that you say what you do about about the dad issues, the sort of emulation of that role model. I could appreciate that. Obviously, I don't feel it myself, but it, yeah, I could see being in there and thinking that that would be inspiring. The richness of that relationship that Joe Brum has, that he took from his own life, modeled the show after what he hopefully is an ideal version of what he has with his own kids. That's great. But I'm not struck by anything on this. You know, I'm not creating a show, not emulating it, not the values of it. It's it's strictly an NA for me, but that's not bad. I mean, which I think slides us into our exact last segment something we call the felonian scale a trademark that's something that's completely our own we invented this on the xyz axis of all things terrible that we've just talked about with with jimmy fallon still as the worst thing on earth as baphomet lord of the bottomless pit by the way jimmy fallon is is back on the air noah into an empty studio and he looks more crazed and desperate than ever as if he's you know? Is he? But, but he, I, I do see this with Trevor Noah. They're, they just wear like hoodies and shit. They don't dress up the way they would do for their show. But I mean, he's back. Which, in, he's back in at. at, at uh, oh, he's in Rock. an actual studio now. He's not doing it from home. No, exactly. And so the roots are on one side of the studio. They don't get near each other, and there's no audience. It's like watching a muscle pulled out of its shell. There's this real sort of manic pain and and, and fury energy that comes out of him for like he needs this to survive. It just it looks completely out of place. I don't know. At least he's distancing from the roots, and they're. I mean, I mean, of all the awful people in the world, we're making it that much harder to deal with this crisis. Again, I mean, we've admitted we're kind of facetious about Jimmy Fallon being the worst person in the world. Sure. If he were out there saying this is a hoax and President Trump's doing a great job and, you know. In the old days, I mean, we could on. afford to call him. He could be so him. much fucking. Yeah. In recent months, we've we've often said how Ryan's world might literally be the worst thing we're look at, looking at. And I think there's a useful comparison here because Ryan's world, while a very different product than Bluey, is aiming toward the same age group. Yeah, that's true. And Blue You're is absolutely right. A billion times better than Ryan's world. So, all right. So, we're in the scale then on every level, except for the fact that it looks like Bluey is trying to attain Ryan's world levels of toy ubiquity. So, where do you rank? Uh, where do you rank this on the scale? It's pretty fucking high. I mean, you know, we have that parallel track of shit. That's not for me, but I'm glad it's out there. Yes, that's near the top of that list. If my crazy theory that this is the cure for children being insane, if you want to accept that as a given, again, like this might be up there with the Burgers Impossible and and Cooper Sarah that are actually might be the cure for what ails us. So it's it's high, baby. It's high. I could see that. I thought of the last thing that Amanda Swaby parked in front of us was Princess uh, Elena. Oh, this is so much better than that. It is. This is so much better than that. I mean, and it's not fair just just to say that. Oh, this is the one child's thing, and this is another child's thing. Yeah, you know, we we haven't covered that much content. We you know we also did the um was it Ladybug? And yeah, which by the way, I have been watching lately because my niece is into that. Yeah, and you, that's you it's not bad. It's you know it's fun. It's, yeah, I guess I mean, so. This is better. This yeah. is this is di- see this is different. Yeah. This serves such a different purpose. Right. I was gonna say I've 
I had, I had to tell myself, like you said, Ryan's world is intended for the same age group. And it's so yeah. much stupider, facile, <laughs> bitter, cynical, and insidious. Yeah, than less, this. less, less competently made. Less competently made. Everything less about it was charming. This is so charming. Right. There was no charm at all to, to Ryan's no world. Ryan, These people yeah. suck. By the way, I mentioned to my nephews who are 16, like, this is the worst thing. And, so, and they had never heard of it. And they were looking at it online. And they said something interesting. They said, well, at least this family are people of color. And I'm like, I'm not sure that matters. Yeah. I think it really. makes minorities look worse. It's <laughs> like, it's like uh, I've been joking lately that James Buchanan from The Grave has to be happy because he, he can now no longer be held up as the worst prisoner ever. And I said, you know, it's kind of sad that there's all these theories that Buchanan was gay. Uh-huh. You know, there are theories, whatever. I mean, who knows? Who cares? But, like, it's sad that, like, one of the worst presidents ever might have been gay. Like, if I were a gay man, I would, like, hey, can we not talk about Buchanan being gay? Like, right. we don't want to be associated with him. We want better a better representation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. can, 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 can bring back those stupid unfounded rumors that Lincoln was gay. Can we talk more about those? The gay Lincoln, I believe, always brings us to the end. That's the chime that comes in at the end of the episode that tells you that we have wrapped up... There's your chime. Yeah, doing... Thank you for the ding. I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, If you'd like to find past episodes of our show, look on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. Tweet to us at Noah and Bill's show. Write to us, Noah and Bill, don't get it, at gmail.com. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That's how people find them. Another blast going on. That's that's it also makes us feel good about ourselves when you say something nice. That's all it's about, really, these days. That's basically what I want. Just keep keep yeah, keep yeah. keep me from throwing the uh, noose over the rafter. Just one more day, all right? I'll, I'll ponder that rope tomorrow. But today, I just want to read something nice about myself from a stranger. I'm on Twitter at William Scurry. My YouTube content, YouTube.com/slash/amcaesar. And Noah fills in this, the gap now. Yeah, I just finished July, and July was by far the busiest month ever for the big quiz thing, the trivia game show spectacular. I am one lucky bastard. We have doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on virtual events, and uh, we're really making it work. We're really having a lot of fun, doing a lot of corporate events. Yeah, so occasionally a public event. So, you know, follow us online, learn all about it, bigquizthing.com, and get in touch today about your own uh, custom trivia event, whether for a corporate party, private party, what have you, the finest in trivia services service virtually and hopefully in person again soon although we did do an in-person event a couple weeks ago outdoors socially distanced and it was i was not there but uh from all reports it was very nice we are here for you to satisfy all your trivia needs no matter how much the earth is on fire bigquizthing.com so until we take a hard look at the Bulgarian knockoff version of Bluey, a three-legged, diseased, garbage can-dwelling possum named Periwinkly, we don't get it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2020.